0: Sports staff of the Holland Sentinel, this is From the Press Box, with your hosts, Brian Vernelis, Dan Diadonna, and Chris Zadarozny.
1: Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. Um, I'm sports editor Dan Diadonna, along with...
0: Assistant sports editor Chris Zadarazny.
1: And after two weeks of very good guests, we had some athletes who were guests, as well as some... Pocket experts, uh, as far as uh, you know, a- you know our ace in the hole for our division two um, expert Caleb Essink last week. Might need him uh, again in another week. I know it's just us this week, uh, so sorry about that. If you were looking to see who we would could top our last two weeks of guests with, no, it's just us. Um, lots of things to talk about. Um, we've got all kinds of football and basketball to talk about. We're going to start with the college football playoff. Uh, it's a fun thing to debate, discuss. Um, get upset about not get upset about play devil's advocate with it's really fun actually
0: yeah it's it's always a debate and and certainly i i don't think there's much of a debate this year but nonetheless there can still be one can still be had i think there is a, a lot of debate this year
1: see that's why it's fun um and i think they haven't had a year where there hasn't been a debate which means to me that makes the system somewhat of a failure but at the same time i don't think there's a perfect system so something always is going to feel like a failure yeah Uh, but let's run down what we got college football playoff Alabama uh, Clemson Notre Dame and Oklahoma Uh, Alabama will play Oklahoma Clemson will play Notre Dame Alabama ranked number one the entire year undefeated SEC champion um, beat
0: Georgia in the didn't look like it and uh, then they won by a touchdown Jalen Hurts came back and just had a heck of a game Come back and win. Clearly the best team all year. Yep, absolutely. Um,
1: Clemson, undefeated, won the ACC for the fourth year in a row. Pretty handily um, over you
0: pit, even. I mean, that was yeah, not even not, a not challenge.
1: A, not a surprise there. Uh, they didn't move either. Notre Dame, undefeated, no conference. The only thought was, could they drop from not having to play a conference championship yeah, game? They Three to not. four, maybe. Um, I feel like if they were one loss in that spot, they possibly Certainly, yeah. Uh, but they proved that. You know, they belong there. Those three, no surprise there. Um, Oklahoma got the fourth spot. They won the Big 12. They Their one loss is to Texas, who they avenged by beating them in the Big 12 championship game. Um, so that's the fourth spot. Uh, doesn't seem that crazy on paper. Seems pretty an easy choice on paper. However, um, Ohio State also only has one loss to Purdue, And they did not make the football playoff. And Georgia had two losses, but um, to top 10 teams, including number one by only a touchdown last week. Uh, So, Chris, you think the committee got it right? Why do you think the committee got it right? And I will happily play devil's advocate.
0: Absolutely. First off, I will say I want an eight team playoff. I think that's the best way to go. Um, But in regards to this season, you have Oklahoma, a one loss team who avenged their. Only lost to Texas during the season, which was like a 49-45 loss. And they were like – Texas was 19th. I don't know what Oklahoma was at the time. But to avenge that loss and win pretty handily in the Big 12 title game shows me that, all right, their one loss, they beat them pretty well. They should get that nod. Uh, Georgia, a two-loss team, while they played a pretty difficult schedule, they still lost. They had a lead against Alabama in the in the SEC championship, and then they kind of lost it there. Um So, to me, a one-loss team over a two-loss team gets in. I understand their strength of schedule there, an issue. um, But when Georgia lost to Bama last week, that that sealed it for me. Oklahoma was in. And Ohio State, uh, I don't think, had much of a chance. I think they had a a small chance of getting in. But they needed some things to go right for them. The loss to Purdue really hurt them. You can say that the Michigan win made them a potential candidate for the college football playoff, especially scoring that many points—the most points ever on Michigan defense, ranked first in the in the nation—that um, gave them a, a bit of an edge up. But the Purdue loss really, really sunk them, um, and I think that's that's what put them out. And and Georgia has to Alabama, put them out, and that's to me that's pretty cut and dry. Um, but there is some debate there. Certainly, right. Georgia had a, a stronger strength of schedule that that really could favor them over Oklahoma,
1: right? And I mean, it's just it just like we said there's no perfect system but Oklahoma so they they beat they lost to Texas and then beat Texas Ohio State lost to Purdue which is not as good of a team as Texas but to me the statement they made with beating Michigan the way they did to me should count for two wins really I mean not only did you I know that's not how it works right but it was such a humiliating loss to a to a team in the playoff at the time put the stank on them yeah uh and then for them to to prove they can put the stank on the number one defense in the country that's in the college playoff at that time and then not be in the college playoff to me is a little bit of a head-scratcher now granted ohio state by ohio state standard did not play well this year they won a lot of games that they almost lost They had a harder time, so I understand that a little bit. And based on the fact of where that they were sixth going into this week, when they beat Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game, which was not a surprise, they didn't move, they didn't go down, they didn't go up. Right. So the committee had the Michigan game had no other impact on the committee because they didn't that didn't affect them. They I mean they moved into they moved up, but then. They just have stayed the same since then. So it, it was difficult to see that they were going to move up three spots by beating Northwestern, Yeah, um, which is understandable. But Oklahoma, let's go through Oklahoma's strength of schedule. Oh, I want to mention this with Georgia, too. And we'll talk about Georgia's schedule in a minute. But Georgia lost by only a touchdown in the last minute to number one Alabama, proving that they can hang with them Yeah, and could beat them. They did not beat them. And LSU was a top-ten team at the time. So that's two losses to top-ten teams. Rightfully, in my mind, puts them ahead of Ohio State in the whole body of work because Ohio State almost lost to Maryland. They played poorly against a lot of teams. They lost to Purdue. Georgia played well against good teams, even though in the two games they lost they They were top-ten teams. So Oklahoma played, they beat UCLA in the, uh, they beat Florida Atlantic in the opener, 63-14, spare me. They beat Oklahoma, or they beat UCLA, handily, 41-29. They beat Iowa State, who, who was ranked 24th at the time, 37-27. Barely, that's beaten. They were number four at the time, and they won by 10 points over number 24. They beat unranked Army by a touchdown the next week. Now, Army is had been a really good year. They are. Uh, yes, they so are. that's not you know that big of a shocker that that was a close game. They crushed Baylor. They lost to Texas when Texas was 15, they were 4. Oklahoma stayed 4 after losing, which also was interesting. Um, they beat TCU, which is not nearly as good as they are. They crushed Kansas State. They had to survive a 51-46 win over Texas Tech. Which to me mirrors Ohio State's win over Maryland. Yeah. They beat Oklahoma State unranked by a point, 48 47. And then they beat Kansas 55 40 before beating Oklahoma, or before beating West Virginia, number 16 West Virginia, 59 56. And then beating Texas again. Now, the West Virginia win is a good win, a really good win and the army win is a good win but when you're their last five let's go through their last five i know i'm sorry i'm slowing down the the flow of the podcast here but i'm the the last five games or whatever they gave or six games they gave up 46 points to Texas Tech, then 47 to Oklahoma State, then 40 to Kansas, then 56 to West Virginia and still won that game, and then 27 to Texas, beating them 37-29. How can you be good enough to be in the football playoff if you're giving up 40 points five games in a row, including to Kansas?
0: Yeah. it's That's, it's,
1: that's, that's insane to me, and it drives me crazy about the way that the playoff is. I know it should be... I mean, I know it's all very much wins and loss based, but there are years. I mean, it's happened to Michigan teams. It's happened to Ohio State teams. The team with the best defense is rarely in the playoff, right? And that's awful. Like, I mean, there there's years where the the semifinals and the finals are games of high shoot them out offense. I feel like it's ruining. I don't know if ruining is the right word, but I think it's bad for football that we can't get the team with a good defense. If defense wins championships, why the crap are the best defensive teams not in it? Now Michigan screwed themselves. They did. By losing Absolutely. to Ohio State and losing big to Ohio State. Um, their only other loss being to Notre Dame who was in the playoff. Um, so I mean Michigan's got two losses. I mean if you want to go there with Georgia, Georgia almost lost to Ohio State. I mean I, I mean to Alabama, they barely I mean they barely lost yeah. to Alabama. And they lost to LSU, who's a top ten team. Michigan's got two losses to two top six teams. Yeah. So wouldn't that put them ahead of Georgia? But it doesn't, because of the stank factor on yes. that one for sure. Yes. But it's just really interesting to see how uh, how this all changes. And I want to get your take on the defensive part of it and just Oklahoma's. We I mean we talked that their strength of schedule is a little weaker. Yeah. They but they're giving up forty points to everybody, Chris.
0: Their their strength of schedule is ranked. Seventy first in the country. Ohio State ranks 49th. So there's there's a, there's a big difference there, and if if we're debating that, Ohio State, like you said, they all their games this year they were just not they were not impressive enough. Uh, you know Maryland, Purdue, um, Michigan State, all these games that they they should have won that prior teams have won handily, they kind of didn't, and they just kind of squeaked by. They were lucky to get by Maryland uh, late after the failed two point conversion. If that happens. That doesn't Michigan. Ohio State's not even in the discussion for a playoff if, if they if that ball is caught. Um, but here's the big reason why Oklahoma is in the playoff and it's enlighten not enlighten us, Chris. It's not defense. They have the number one scoring offense in the nation, the highest scoring offense in the nation in the last five years, and that's going to bring you in a lot of ratings. Yeah. And we know it's a and we know that is a big factor because you want ratings. You want this thing to be well watched. Well talked about across the country, and if you're if you're not putting in the number one offense in the nation, you're probably not going. You're probably going to get a lot, of, a lot of crap for that. Um, and to me, it's yes. The the strength schedule is a bit of a gap, but when you're talking about the best offense in the nation, it's it's no decision for me. It's no it's no problem for me to throw them in there okay. with a one a one loss team like that.
1: Um, understandable, understandable. I'm going to play the devil's advocate again sure. here, just absolutely, to, just to highlight. Because um, we know who we know who Ohio State played. They played the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten was kind of schizophrenic this year. They had it was you know, a down year. They had overall. They had a couple of great teams. Michigan and Ohio State, I would argue, are, were great teams. Northwestern was a a good team, almost great team. Yeah, almost great team.
0: Penn State was down this year. Penn
1: State ended up flopping. Yeah. Michigan State. I mean, for for what we
0: expected, certainly.
1: Michigan State had a bad year. Wisconsin had a bad year that's what killed the big ten yeah. is that the whole the one side of the big Ten then Northwestern just marched straight through and then Ohio State Michigan State Michigan and Penn State are all on the other side yeah um, so that didn't help um, so but so we know that so we know the, the what the competition they played but let's let's look at Georgia just because I want to sure. Um sure. them in the SEC they Shut out Austin P. No surprise there. Forty five nothing to start. They crushed South Carolina. They crushed Middle Tennessee. They almost crushed Missouri. They crushed Tennessee. They crushed Vanderbilt. They lost to LSU in a top ten. Two top ten battle. They crushed Florida. They crushed Kentucky. They crushed Auburn, who had a good game against Alabama as well. They crushed UMass in a non-conference. They crushed Georgia Tech in their rivalry, and then they lost by a touchdown to Alabama. They play in the SEC. It's a great conference, and they lost two top ten battles, and they crushed everyone else. Yeah. that's a statement. It is. That's it a statement is. with a stronger schedule. So that may, but again, there's a really good argument for all three of these teams. Oklahoma. Oh, yeah has the best offense, and they won the Big 12, and they avenged their loss. Ohio State put the stank on Michigan as a one-loss team and won the Big 10 championship game. Georgia, two-loss team. They're both two top-ten teams when they crushed everyone else in the SEC, the best conference in the country. So did they get it right? There is no, there is no that they get it right. You can never say that because everyone has different opinions. Certainly. But
0: it's... It's really unfortunate that yeah. Georgia is penalized for losing to two really great teams. Right. I mean, I mean, how do you penalize them for losing? They're supposed to lose to number one. Yeah.
1: But then they drop because they lose to number one. I hate that about football. In basketball, it doesn't happen quite as much. If you lose, if Duke's number one and North Carolina is number three, or number two, or whatever, if they lose to Duke, even in the like in the ACC championship or the ACC tournament somewhere along the line, they don't drop. Yeah, yeah. Because you're supposed to lose to the number one team, and that's my part of what I don't like about this. You know this rating. You if they beat, if they beat Alabama, and they almost did, they, they probably could have, they should could have, have jumped to two. They could have. They yeah. could have jumped to two. Yeah, and I think they would have jumped to two. I think the committee would have had them one loss, but beating number one ahead of Notre Dame because they would penalize Notre Dame for not paying being in the conference and playing a conference championship game. I think it would have been Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, and then Alabama. It could and have then been Oklahoma. And Ohio State would have been out. And then there actually would have been no debate. Like I actually think that scenario would have caused for no debate.
0: Quite possibly. I think that Georgia's – the way they lost to LSU by 20 points hurt them. And then having a lead against Alabama in the championship game. And then having Jalen Hurts come back and for Alabama really yeah. really went for him. The way they lost both games I think – is the reason why they're out. Right. If they I, had I, oh, been makes sense. if they had been winning in both games and lost, they may be in right. because of how they it's just I think it's how they lost sure. to me. And I wonder too, if Oklahoma had that loss to Texas
1: and had to play somebody else in the Big Toe championship and still beat them, would it have been the same weight? Right. It might not have been. I have no idea. It may not have been. But that's, I mean, I guess this is why sports is great. Sports are great. We get to I debate mean, about it all the time. We get to debate about this all the time. I don't think there's a I – think, I think Georgia screwed us out of having a, the first ever BCS with no arguments. Yeah. <laughs> um, because if Alabama then is number four as a one-loss team that was number one all year, Ohio State doesn't have any argument on that, and neither does Oklahoma. Yeah. So it's just it's a shame. it's a shame Georgia yeah. couldn't have given us that's why they're penalized. they yes. could have
0: given us the final answer and they didn't so they're out so so uh. bring me an eight team playoff, please. I would love to see that because then you would get you would get Georgia Ohio State uh and Michigan in there. I, I believe UCF would be the eighth team as well
1: right and then you then then Central Florida would get a shot they
0: would yeah they'd be eighth they'd they would get they'd play Alabama
1: and michigan is like we said just a similar schedule thing when you're talking with georgia you're talking about the number one defense that lost to only two teams in the top six impressive yeah impressive. i mean that's it that would be yeah now the but the problem would be there'd be other years where there really should only be six <laughs> that make it out of the eight and then you're then you're stretching seven and eight are well right the, the difference between seven and eight and eleven and twelve aren't very big there's right. always a mess um, unless they go to straight head-to-head playoffs like Division Two and FB, uh, the FBS
0: – FBS, no, yeah, uh, they do straight Yes, something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I hate that they have all these acronyms. Yeah, it's – I think you're going to find more likely than not that they're, your first six teams really are potential top four teams. The last two may or may not be on any given year, but – At least you get that that six in there. The the main six, I think.
1: You could also do a playoff where you have one and two get a bye. That's possible too, yeah. And then you have a little bit of leeway there. I mean, for a team, for a sport that that generates so much money, how they're sticking to the bowl system instead of playing more games that generate more money is interesting to me. Yeah especially once they started changing the playoff format and all that kind of stuff. I feel like the bowl system needs to be imploded. I totally agree. You want totally the semifinals agree. to be the main bowls, that's fine. You want other, you know, I mean, the New Year's Six bowls, that's great. You want any more than that, it's got to be some sort of different situation because it's just a mess. It's it really just a is. Mess. So, anyway... Oklahoma's in. Ohio State and Georgia are out. Um, I tend to lean with Chris on this one, but I love playing devil's advocate. Um, but Notre Dame is always the debate because they don't have a conference. They
0: don't. They don't. And
1: this year, there's no debating. Like, they're in. It's easy. Like they've proved it. Yep. I mean,
0: An undefeated season. They and they beat, beat some good teams. They
1: beat great team. I mean, they beat USC. Well, USC wasn't a great team. They beat
0: Michigan. They beat. Virginia Tech Virginia, and Stanford. Yeah, Stanford. Was and was Syracuse. A, and
1: Syracuse was a huge one. That, that ended hu- up being a huge one. 36-3. I mean, impressive. They're, they're, they had some good wins. I mean, that's not a – that's impressive for a non-conference team to put that together. I think that always does benefit Notre Dame, though. Their strength of schedule is better than most because they don't have a conference, so yes. they can schedule it that way. Um, but they're – I mean, they're – Michigan, obviously, at the beginning of the year was a great win. They crushed Stanford and Virginia Tech – Pitt was in the ACC championship game. They beat them barely. Navy is decent. Northwestern was in the Big Ten championship game. Boy, Florida State kind of took a dump this they year. They did. Uh, yeah, that was not a uh, that was not a good uh, year for them at no. all. I mean, it's uh-huh. just they they tumbled. And but yeah, Syracuse they crushed. And USC they beat in the rivalry. I mean, that's it's yeah. it is what it is. So. Now we move on to even more college football. Urban Meyer announcing today that he is retiring after the Rose Bowl. What's his legacy, Chris? I mean, he's won national championships at different schools. He's had great teams. He's had health issues. There's been off the field issues at both schools he's been at. What I mean, how do you, uh, how do you possibly calculate
0: what his legacy? Well, for me, if you're looking right at his record. 186 and 32 overall with one more bull game to play and it's the Rose Bowl the granddaddy of them all in bowls he's 11 and 3 he is 2 and 1 in uh, winning uh, tournament games and you know the semifinals and the, the finals um, he's won 3 national championships 2 BCS won the first college football playoff in, in 2014 he succeeds anywhere he goes and that's that's a great football coach right there but however however he has had issues off the field and it started in Florida with recruit with his recruits um i believe thirty one players there eventually get got arrested and during his time there that's a lot that of arrests lot. um and certainly not good and and in I mean,
1: Michigan state gets a bad rap and they had like what three i mean yeah
0: like, 31 is, is a heck of a lot. And one, and one of those players was Aaron Hernandez, who we know what happened to him with the Patriots and how that all went down. Right. Um, unfortunately, he's one of those players. And, and he didn't seem to recruit very well down there with in terms of character. Um, he got into some issues with, with his health, unfortunately. I hope that gets handled and he's healthy because you don't want to see that for anybody. Um, and then he took a leave, uh, a retirement, somewhat like this. Went to ESPN for a year, and went to Ohio State, and he's been dynamite for Ohio State since he got there. And he's been a really good coach up until this season, when he had the domestic violence uh, issue with, with an assistant, with coach, an assistant coach. Him, but yeah. seems like he did not report properly. Report, yeah, and we handle we that. We don't know the full details, and I don't think we'll ever we're ever going to know. But based on the facts that have come out through the reporting and through. The findings of this issue is that he didn't follow up with on this assistant that he's had forever and didn't try to fix it didn't try to make sure that he was held accountable and that's that's not good that's not good you know when you put you know when you're kind of maybe ignoring that or just not worrying about it and you're focusing more on football to me that's that's wrong i mean you want (laughs) to football is not the end-all be-all to you know and unfortunately it is for a lot of people right it really shouldn't be all the all the people
1: with the signs protesting to save his job
0: that caught me off guard that was in a sense i
1: mean if, if he's really basically hiding out somebody who committed domestic violence and not doing anything about it i mean you're gonna you're gonna protest for your football coach to keep that job but would you protest for your teacher your kid's right. teacher to keep that job yeah
0: why? I don't know why it football is be. so much larger than it it should be it's really a shame to be honest with you I, I love football yeah. but when things become bigger than football or when football becomes bigger than them right. I should say then you got a real problem right um, and and if if you just look at how he now we don't know whether or not he, he knew or how he handled it we don't know the exact facts um, but uh, there was uh, thoughts of deleted texts, and that's on paper. We've seen that. Um, but the way he handled the exact situation, where how he tweeted about it, how he talked to the press about it. He never apologized to the Smiths until it, a couple right. days later. Just the way he handled himself after that showed me, and it should show everyone else, how he is as a leader. Right. Not as not a football coach. You can, he can be a great football coach all he wants. Right. This is completely separate to me in the situation yeah. and to have a wife and and see this and not think to uh, the first thing to do is apologize right really shows me that he and his morals are not where they should it be
1: seemed off oh it's not even just that necessarily he had bad more it seems more like uh indifference it seemed like yeah. an indifference yeah and i think that that is important to point out that it was an, more than a you know not Believing what was wrong, but it was just indifference. Like, well, it wasn't. It seemed like he was like, well, it wasn't me that did it. Why am I the one? Right under the microscope and and, and dealing with all this kind of stuff. And that is kind of how it seemed with him over the years about everything. And it's it takes away from him being such a great football coach. And I think that that's sad for anybody. Yeah. Um, but it's he could have. Just come. He could have just the way he said the words in the first press conference this year. After that, when he was when he announced he was suspended, he could have just apologized and used it as a a way to teach his players that you have to be held accountable for things that other people do, and that's going to be a life lesson. But instead, he stuck with his disagreement of the suspension and. Seemed very indifferent about the whole yeah. thing, and I don't think that's how you want anybody molding absolutely young people, absolutely as a leader to be acting. And I'm very surprised that Ohio State didn't push more out of him as far as a way of an apology or the way he handled it. I just it was just it was it was just unfortunate all the way around. And the the indifference, though, that's that's tough that's just tough to see because you know there are other coaches out there and other human beings out there that would you know maybe first of all have reported it correctly in the first place but they would have at least shown some bit of humanity of being you know apologetic toward the victim because based on what i'm you know of all the reading of this that part is not in dispute right that happened and that you could just be indifferent about that. It's just, it's just, it's just
0: off-putting. It really is. It really is. And, and that's, that's the problem I have with it, uh, that he was leading and molding these young athletes' minds. And that's how he, um, how he acts, how he conducts himself as a, as a coach and a leader. And that's a problem for me. So to me, his legacy is he's a great coach. But he's not a good leader,
1: right? There's a, that's a but. There's the but there. And that's, I mean, those he will always be a great coach.
0: Yeah, but the, and those two can be in the same sentence. It's not. Oh my gosh, you you can't give me the negatives because all these positives over here. You have to take the good with the bad. Right. And so when you're when you're looking back on this and this man's legacy, when he goes into the College Football Hall of Fame, which he will because he should as a coach, he's going to have that legacy. Uh, that that. That issue attached. It's always to him, going to follow him. It'll always follow him. It'll follow anybody. It would follow anybody else. Sure. Why would and not not exactly. follow him? I mean, you think about Woody Hayes. Yeah, he got fired because he
1: punched one of his own players in the face.
0: I knew that. I mean, yeah, anyone I mean, I was, anyone that that knows college football history should know that. Right, and it's going to follow him. It's just like the same right. thing here.
1: But at the same time, that was on video, live right. after during a game. Everyone knew it. And it just, it was an issue that just happened. And this, but this one was, a, I mean, almost, I almost think that what Urban Meyer did was worse because it wasn't something that was so clear cut and it wasn't something that he was trying to, I mean, I understand the heat of the moment. I don't, I mean, not saying that's right to punch anybody. In the face. Right, right. I'm not saying that at all but i understand from a coach whose reputation is, is extremely fiery all the time i understand that that lapse of judgment for a split second hitting a grown man basically it's horrible that's a horrible thing to do but this the way that this the momentary lapse of judgment in the heat of battle that leads to that i don't agree with it or condone it but at least i understand it urban meyers thing was he had months and months to figure this out and to apologize and to do the right thing to me that's what makes it a little bit worse is because it was not a it was not a heat of the moment crime of passion it was a cover-up cover-ups to me are always worse because you have so many chances to do the right thing and, and and it never came up. And please, again, I'm not condoning punching a football <laughs> player in the face. I'm saying I understand how those kind of laps of judgments happen a little bit more than I judge. Than I understand how this could be thought of as an okay thing over months and months and months, and still stick by the fact that that he doesn't agree with the suspension and everything else.
0: Yeah, and it and it happened over the course of uh, what was it the summer into the early mm-hmm. fall, and he was suspended for it, and and yeah like you said just how he conducted himself how he reacted to the situations um shows who kind of he is as a person and that's right. it's really unfortunate uh, but i wish him well in retirement i hope he f- finds what he needs to find and and i hope he stays healthy stays I mean, healthy that's not, of course i mean
1: we don't we're not saying that he's the worst person we've ever met we're saying that it was a you know a couple of bad decisions that he's made off the field has tainted this legacy yeah. and i think that that's I mean, in in the sense of scope of what these incidents were, I think it's fair to say that absolutely, about his absolutely. Legacy. Um, so it's just it'll be interesting, though. I was, I I really liked the dynamic with him and Harbaugh in this rivalry. Well, not the winning, <laughs> but the, I would
0: say the rivalry was all all Urban Meyer, but right, yes, it but, was two but, high profile coaches, the,
1: the profile coaches that didn't really they respected the heck out of each other, did not like each other. I mean most football fans that weren't Florida fans didn't like Urban Meyer anyway. So for Michigan fans, you were already getting a coach that you hated.
0: Yeah. Which yeah. is
1: great. That's the dream. It makes it, you know, it makes like, it fun. So it did make it fun. So it'll be interesting to see how things go from here. Um but it's just a weird it's just a weird situation and it's a weird way to end, but that's uh, you know, kinda how life works sometimes. Absolutely. All right, so we got some more football to talk about the Lions. I don't know why we're talking about them, but they <laughs> they lost to the Rams. Shocker. I, I feel like there's not much to say about this. One. the Rams are the best team in the NFC,
0: they clinched the playoff spot with the win. So there you go. I uh, mean, that's Taylor Decker had a touchdown. That was cool. First grade touchdown ever yeah. in his career ever of ever since he started playing football in first grade. He said he found the guy that caught the football. So it turns out he's from Greenville over here in the west side of the state. Uh, right. He's returning it to him, which is really nice. Um, I didn't watch. And I watched, I think, four plays uh, at lunch on Sunday, and that's that's about it. <laughs> I Didn't really think to watch anything else. But that that touchdown by Decker brought them within three points in the third quarter, and they had a chance. Mm-hmm. And then it was all run all the time, and Todd Gurley scored twice, and that was it. That was over. Right. Um, they did a lot of conservative play calling. The Lions did, which so you know. I don't, I don't understand why. I mean, you got nothing to lose at this point. You're already down in the division. And you're playing the number one team. I mean, why? The one play that I that I uh, that just baffled me, and it was the last play before I left the restaurant uh, that I was at. They had a pass interference, which ended up being a touchdown, but it was called back, obviously OPI, that put them on the 19 yard line, third and 19. It was third and goal from the 19 yard line. They drew up a run play. You have to get to the end zone for a touchdown. And this is in the first half of the game. And you're already down. Why are you running the ball? Yeah. 19 yards.
1: Yeah, it's definitely we you're trying to keep catch them sleeping and it's 6 if or you, 7 or 8 even.
0: If you miss the throw, you still have a chance at a field goal. What are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. So, I, I just, these Lions, I've got a problem. This is a problem right now. Jim Bob Cooter right now has has completely regressed as an offensive coordinator. Definitely, and I don't understand why he's stayed on this long this season after some really really bad play calls. They need a fix for next year. He can stay on all he wants this year, but if he's there next year, Matt Patricia has a real problem on his hands. Yes, I think
1: uh, that's becoming a little more clear. Um, also on Sunday we had Kirk Cousins and the Vikings playing Tom Brady and the Patriots. And Tom Brady set the all-time touchdown passing record when you combine playoffs. Bill Belichick won his 250th. And Tom Brady reached 1,000 career rushing yards. He jokingly said, I'm going to retire now at this point. Uh, Why not, right? <laughs> uh, so, And they won. Cousins had a couple late picks. Um, they kind of, I mean, they, they were behind anyway. Um, they got beat by a better team. Interesting after you know after this their huge win against Green Bay the week before um, and then Green Bay lost again and their coach got fired in the middle of the season I would have never expected McCarthy to get fired in the middle of any season uh, but yeah I don't think this is there's anything much to judge uh, the Vikings on at this point they lost to a they lost to a better team and didn't play very well I mean that's basically the end of the yeah Kirk, of the story on had, that. Kirk concluded he, he didn't play he had a great two game, picks uh, uh, and they were late.
0: When they were trying to make a comeback, uh, trying to make things happen. so uh, His pass rating was 70.4. I mean, three for 201 yards, an average of 4.6 per yard. It's just not a great game from the the Vikings. Uh, no, no they, their
1: defense did not get to Brady. They did not, no. And that was what you expected and what you needed. That's how you beat the Patriots. And that's with how they've beaten. That's specifically how the Vikings have beaten everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen. I mean, sack and Stafford 10 times. Yeah.
0: 471 total yards of offense for the Patriots. Your yeah. defense is not doing... Doing something right there, right. so
1: so they didn't get to him.
0: They've I mean, got to that's... figure something out here in the, in the last month of the season because they're gonna they, they'll probably if they win some games be in the playoffs. They need some help, um, but they're gonna need they're to need to fix what went wrong in that game in order to to make that run. And I'm sure Kirk will be one of that one of the first guys on the team to, to talk about that and what they need to fix, especially for him personally on offense. He's mm-hmm. a guy that owns up to those things, definitely. Which is what's awesome about him as a person, um, but.
1: Yeah, you got to got to get that turned around. They want I mean they're they're in the playoff race. And but they they got to perform now. They're I yep. mean if they can't This is it. If they if they have some slip-ups, they're out. I mean, that's 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 all it is, really. I mean, so we'll see if they can bounce back. I'm sure I mean, I'm sure they'll bounce back to a degree at least, but uh, Right now how?
0: they're the 6th team right now. Right. 6th.
1: So how I mean, but how I mean, I I feel like this win this loss can't be that costly since it was the Patriots and you kind of expect it, but it, it just depends on how they respond.
0: The fact that they have uh, one tie is the reason why they're in the sixth spot. If they were six and six, they may be seventh or eighth at this point right now. But right. they're going to need some help. And if they just won that game, yes, it's very possible. But they, they they're going to need some help going into this net, this last month really uh, to get going. And uh, we'll see what they happens. Gotta take care of their own business, including a Lions game at the end of the month here. That we'll uh, we'll yeah. see. And we will be there in person for. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so
1: on to high school. I mean, wrestling and swimming starts this week, um, so we don't have much else to talk about. I mean, hockey has started. Um, West Ottawa has had a little bit of an up-and-down start. But other than that, nothing's really started except boys' basketball started last week. The girls' basketball starts this week. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. Um, we got an interesting swim matchup that we'll talk about, too. Um, but boys' basketball, I mean, not even every team has played two games yet. But... It's already been an interesting season. Hamilton is 2-0 under Nick Cronemeyer, new coach, new outlook. They seem... A new look in general. new look in general with his uh, Johnny Cash type all-black looks. Looks uh, kind of an interesting.
0: You know, he sticks, I kind of think of like a Fonzie guy. He's got the, the Fonzie look to me. The Fonzie look? Yeah. not have a leather jacket. No, he didn't. Well, like, no, but all-black really kind of accentuates that, I think. All right, Nick,
1: you got to come up with somebody better. If you don't like Johnny Cash or Fonzie uh let us know a, let us know who you who would like to emulate out there <laughs> and i know you're listening um, <laughs> but that's a good good sign for them 2-0 um they're looking good looking yeah. good yeah um, west ottawa won their opener with all new almost all new players basically from last year's team they're all all five of their starters graduated uh from their state finals team um and holland won their opener in overtime probably should have won it in regulation uh, a couple turnovers there led to a tie, but they surged back. And I think that's a huge win for them, too. They had four guys in double figures and a fifth guy that could have been a double figures if it wasn't passing the ball to the other guys. Um, that's huge for them. I mean, that's huge for them. They had years where, I mean, Demetrius Lake was a, you know, maybe their only really good player. And then they've had the year to figure it out without him. And it was not a good year for them last year. And now this—I mean, this is a big start for them. I mean, this is—I'm not saying they're going to be a great team, but they have the chance to be a good team. And I think that that's huge if they can keep spreading the ball out. Um, that would
0: be—that would be very big for them. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Obviously, without their starting five, it's, it's, a, it's a different, different look team. But all these players were on that team last year. They know how things went. Um, they played a lot of games that were blowout games. Um, they got in. They were able to run the offense that they. trained to do for this season Um, it's going to be interesting just to see how they go through that first really month of the season finding out that they are the guys now that they have they're following a big legacy Uh, they can't let that get too big in their head they just have to play their own game and just relax really Mm -hmm. Um, and if they can do that they should be a pretty good team in the OK red i mean it's a great conference and and they know that they saw it firsthand last year right Uh, so it should be it should be an exciting time Uh, For West Ottawa boys, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah,
1: definitely. it's
0: it's any
1: kind of time you have a rebuild, you know, and then it there's always you know that light at the end of the tunnel, and I think that uh, they got to get there. You know, they got to get there, and it's it's easy to say, well, they're not going to be anywhere near as good as they were last year. Well, of course they're not. They had all state basketball players, and they ended up in the state finals, but that doesn't mean that the next group. We have no idea what they're capable of right. because they were playing behind all state players, you know, so this will be a good emergence year. They'll have their ups, they'll have their downs. Um, but, you know, you know, Steve Windermuller putting them together before the postseason, you know, see where they're at. Yeah. There, you never know. You never know. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen too many other people. I mean, you saw Sager Tuck with their new coach.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a, a slow start for them. First, first game it was a it's a brand new team outside of two players uh brad dunn and cooper myers are the only two returners from last year so it's everyone else doesn't have varsity experience they're off in the jv Uh, and it's the jv coach that's now the varsity coach brian ward um so they're all trying to mesh together as a as one cohesive unit which is difficult to do especially early on in the season in the first game it was kind of a, a game that the rust needed to come off and it did in the second half when brad kind of went off and did his own thing and they, they had to hang on late, um, but it's going to be that kind of a season for soccer. And, and they know that, where it's they're just going to need to learn how to work together, learn how to play with a lead, learn how to come back from a you know a lead or, or a deficit, um, and just play together as as a one team. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they perform against Fenville at the end of the season in the Never Forgotten game. That's the biggest one. They'll have one under their belt already, but that's the one that they know it is the biggest one, and it is the last game of the season. So. <laughs> No better way to go out with that. To be honest yeah, with you,
1: for sure, it's going to be interesting for a lot of teams this year. We'll see. Um, Holland Christian opens play in the Civic this, the newly revamped Civic this week. Looking we'll forward talk to that. About that next week. Um, there's just a lot of, a lot of positive outlooks for teams across the area, which is really good to see. Um, you know, we didn't come into any year. You know, any of the teams going well, they're not going to be any good this year. I mean, that happens sometimes where you just or it'll be a struggle. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy for anybody, but across the board, I think we're going to see a pretty good season, and I think that's exciting. Yeah,
0: and I don't know if this happened for you at Hamilton because we both saw them last week, but I thought it was really interesting to see how they played together under a new coach in that they have a lot of returners, but they have some new guys too as well. And what I saw was a lot of what I'm going to call line shuffling. I mean, it was in and out, in and out, in and out, getting fresh legs out there. He'd come off the bench for a few minutes play and then go back on. And it worked really well. Now, they had a second quarter where they sat back after jumping out to a huge lead in the first sure. quarter where their offensive, they were offensively dominant and defensively dominant. They didn't allow a point until the final minute and a half. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I mean, that's right. really good. Um, but the, the, the line shuffling was really cool to see in terms of how it worked because everyone played with everyone, and they found right. that, shows you the that chemistry was working really well. Mm-hmm. That was and the opener that I was at too. Same and then thing. the senior leadership at the end of the game in a game that I thought – that I've never seen before in my life. 55 combined fouls. Never seen that. Before. I mean, it it dragged on. It, it started a half hour late because the JV game also was somewhat similar in fouls because it was close late. But I've never seen a game go it's that to crazy. I didn't leave 15. there till like 945. That was a long – 730 to 945, that's a two-hour <laughs> – one two hour game. A basketball game. That's, yeah. that's for high school. That's really long. But it was Brad Osborne and the senior leadership that really picked it up and decided we're going to hang on to this lead. We're going to win this game. And they did. And he made eight of his final 10 free throws, which was really impressive after missing, I think, four straight in the third or fourth quarter, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. They're looking pretty good under Nick right now. Yeah, he had the um, dish two to
1: Tasma for the three in the corner to win it, too. I mean, like he could have taken that inside and gone up with it.
0: Yeah, I saw that on video. It was fantastic. And I'll tell you, that that student section was fantastic in that game yeah. too. I'm sure it was at your game. But they really showed up. They were chanting all game long. It was a lively atmosphere. And it felt like basketball season in right, Hamilton. Which is good. Which is good. I and mean, that's what had, I love.
1: I mean, the last few years, they've had way more to cheer about for the girls' team than the boys' team. And for that to somehow, somewhat balance out, I'm not saying that the boys' team will have as good of a year as the girls are going to have. But you never know. And to have that excitement for both is only going to help. Yeah,
0: I mean, to one team that's really a potential—I uh, wouldn't call a state contender, but a, a power certainly, a in, regional contender—and in, in Division Two, once again, um, it's going to be exciting to see what the boys can do if they can emulate the girls uh, in there in that sense. And it's very possible they they both get along coach wise. I know very well right. uh, the, t- the teams get along very well. It's a tight knit community. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out through the first month and how it works into the new year. For sure. Uh, it's it's going to be exciting. Definitely. All right. Well, that's all for us today.
1: We've got a lot of big games tonight, and we've got a lot the rest of the week that we will break down for you next week and uh, find try to find something new to talk about in regards to the Lions. <laughs> we'll see. And <laughs> might be pulling teeth there uh, at that point. There'll be some more Hope games, too, that we'll have, be able to talk about. Um, so, yeah, but get out there and watch some basketball, uh, watch some swimming, watch some wrestling. we got lots of great athletes in all kinds of sports um, doing great things, and uh, it's an exciting start for the winter season. So, um, for Chris, I'm Dan. We'll talk to you next week.